Welcome to the FPC Paris, a podcast that focuses on intersectional feminism and literature. I'm your host, Lou, founder of the FPC Paris Book Club, which first met in September 2018. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Sheena Patel about her electrifying debut novel, I'm a Fan, which The Guardian described as a fizzing debut that's hard to put down, and I can't really argue with that. Here's the blurb from Publishing House, Rough Trade Books. In I'm a Fan, a single speaker uses the story of their experience in a seemingly unequal, unfaithful relationship as the prism through which to examine the complicated hold we each have on one another. With a clear and unforgiving eye, the narrator unpicks the behaviour of all involved, herself included, and makes startling connections between the power struggles at the heart of human relationships and those of the wider world, in turn offering a devastating critique of access, social media, patriarchal heteronormative relationships, and our cultural obsession with status and how that status is conveyed. Hi Sheena, welcome to the FBC Paris podcast. Hello, happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. Oh my gosh, of course. It's an absolute pleasure. And we're going to be talking about I'm a Fan, which has now been out in the world for two months. Just congrats, like just congratulations. How how are you feeling? Because this has been getting a lot of, I want to say mainstream love. Like uh, you were, I've just seen you on like a summer reading list um, in the Independent. Obviously, the Observer named you as one of the one of the top ten best novelists of the year. <laughs> no pressure for me talking to you. Um, <laughs> and so, and obviously, that's all just brilliant and delightful. But how does that feel for you? I've always wanted this to happen like if I'm gonna be honest I've always and in a sense of like not in mainstream love but I think I've always wanted to make something that um instigated conversation and kind of woke people woke people up yep and so I'm I'm sort of baffled that it's happening and also in the lead up to writing this and writing it I, I I it's only now that I can really appreciate how much tension I was holding in the run-up to it coming out and I say run-up I mean I had like a month and a, and a half before it really came out before it started because it went straight to print I didn't have like this six-month lead or an approve and all of that it was actually like finish writing it, it yeah just bam fast. yeah it was out and um wow yeah, so, I mean, in that sense, I didn't have, like, that sort of, oh, I've got the proof and the proof is going out. It was, like, the real deals are going out and you were writing the real deal is just out. And I think the tension of the voice and what the voice was saying, what it's about, whether it would be accepted, yeah. how it would be received, you know, not that that's why you make it. And I didn't make it for it to be received well. Otherwise, I would have written another book. So I, I, was, a, I was prepared for it to be rejected. And I was preparing myself for it to be ignored, possibly derided. I didn't really prepare myself for this. Now that it is happening, now that the success scenario is happening and it's very much ongoing, it's current, like where, where, where do you sit in all of that? Like you've just said you wanted that to happen, you know, like that's been a dream and it is happening. How does it feel? At first... At first, because it was just coming out and, you yeah. know, it, like in May, um, Nina sent out all of the 
pre-orders and wow. Nina's from work is Rough Trade Books she's a publisher yes. and um she sent out all, so at the end of May it was out and I was thinking this is going to be just a localized friend thing mm-hmm. so I was very much like pushing 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 because I was thinking I can't I have to do as much as I can to get it out there but knowing that it probably wouldn't ripple because that that world this what's happening is so far away from anything that I've really ever known and that's that's uh I'm in that Instagram kind of like DIY self-making it vibe and then once we started getting the reviews and and now it's it's just on its own life I think we're doing very little now right because it's just like oh we saw that we see this we've done that so it's now getting that traction we're not having to put so much work into it getting much attention which is nice which is I mean a fantastic place to be amazing right yeah you have published with rough trade before um but as part of your awesome uh, poetry collective for brown girls who write so this must I imagine this was a different experience because you were by yourself and also I was listening to your um you on the pages of Hackney podcast and you kept this a secret yeah and I I cannot keep a secret to save my life. Like I cannot. But this I just felt there was this and and it's so this like maternal, more maternal side mm-hmm. came out. And it was just like, you need to protect this this person, this, this voice, this mm-hmm. energy. And it felt very, very weird to keep it secret from everyone. Mm-hmm. It felt very weird and and not uh in alignment with how I am as a person. Right. But but it just felt like I I had to because it felt very fragile and the energy of it needed to be that like super isolated. So I was isolated and it was a very intense writing process. So the, what's happening now feels really lovely in that sense of like, you know, a year ago, I, it was a very, I was in a very emotionally in a very different place. It was incredible to read this book. Um, it felt at times like we were going into thriller territory. I liked the narrator because. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I liked the narrator because I think I think life is really messy mm. and relationships are really messy, and I think that you managed to convey like so much complexity whilst also being self-reflexive and self-reflective, um, but without it being messy, like it was incredibly tight and, and, and well-written and considered, but it's just like one minute she's vulnerable, one minute she's spitting with rage, one minute she's just scrolling and refreshing her Instagram. <laughs> Because she wants to see what this woman she's obsessed with is doing, even yeah. though she hates what she's doing. <laughs> it's like there's this, yeah, there's so much. It's incredible. Like, obviously, people can be complex and writers can capture like the complexity of life, but you just, it's messy, but you just bring it up together also brilliantly. Oh, thank you. Making lots of messages. So I, I liked the narrator. Um, ultimately 
I didn't like her all the time. Like, that's fine. I don't like myself all the time. Well, yeah, and you don't. Terrible decisions. Exactly. And you don't like your friends all the time, you know, you You love them, but you're just like. And they don't like you all the time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's one of the biggest things of like being an adult, except not everyone loves you all the time. Yeah, yeah. Who I definitely did not like was oh. the man she wants to be with. <laughs> like, poster boy for narcissist, sociopaths, toxic masculinity. <laughs> and was that fun to write him? Well, and that that kind of man has existed through history. And oh, my God. And, I mean, yeah. we've had him, we've had him in office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... <laughs> We know who this man is. We know who this man is. Everybody knows a man like this. Whatever the proximity to him, whether it's close in a like getting dicks around in a relationship sense, or like you say, whether it's the person running the bloody country, like they're everywhere, in fact. Yeah, they're everywhere. And and then what I what I wanted was to have people be doors that and that people symbolize doors and you know, either there was a door that was closed or this led to you being getting through the door a bit easily and I mean I didn't really think I had more fun writing her and she was Ah. my focus she was my focus and actually just like dissolving the woman I'm obsessed with in acid was quite fun as well that's who I had more fun with and I felt like her in in relation to him I was like oh she's pathetic like I felt the most sorry for her there but I felt her, she had the most agency in with the women actually it just felt like the the analysis of her and like mm-hmm. getting the, you know all the dog and that's like all you know all of that just kind of get and the, creating that thriller atmosphere mm-hmm. it was more the atmosphere I had fun creating because I was like those I was thinking what what would be an end for this like how do you end this and I was thinking if she do they meet and I sort of like was playing about them playing with them in my head just thinking like do they meet and then I'm really worried about the fact that they don't meet and what it would be but then I was thinking it'd be quite anticlimactic if they did meet yeah there'd be something quite anticlimactic and also then she would definitely be a bad guy and it would like you know and that's it, it would lose that sort of like is she like I like her I don't like her what's she doing or it, it would lose that nuance and I had more fun with that it felt very elastic and and stuff I felt the most sorry for her with him um but yeah oh, it was, really? yeah oh gosh but only because it's so pathetic isn't it it's, it's pathetic yeah. to be like that but it but she had the most, you know, she was the most vindictive, <laughs> the most, it was funny and fun to think about her in these different situations with the women. Um, yeah. I mean, it was also like, I mean, she, the narrator says it herself at some point, like, why, how, how does it happen that a bunch of intelligent women, like, get like this about a man, like, turn against each other, you know, like, there's they we should unionize but we don't and that that was really interesting to me because I think especially within like a within a feminist framework where we get these kind of like bold statements on t-shirts like women supporting women um and again to go back to that messy vibe it's like 
but that's so empty mm. and it's not the reality the reality is so much more complex and complicated um and I I kind of loved that you went there as well and did show these smart women who you know yeah just becoming obsessed with this man or wanting this man's validation or but who professionally yeah. probably would be would like, open doors you know and also would be like I support women this is a women-owned oh, women-owned business oh we, yeah. we we support and it's like but then this is the shadow to that and I think I I was like I don't know how much has actually changed and it was just it I wanted to push against the fragility of what I saw as that kind of slogany feminism because I was like the structures that yeah you know it is safer when you have a man it's definitely safer when you have a man who is rich you know all of these things it's all right to support your friends you will always support your friends with oh, women God, but yeah. when but when you get down to it will you support women do you know what I mean will you support, support yeah. women you don't know because that feels like where feminism actually has to happen do there is still that fear like there is still that you know the structures remain what they are because it benefits who like whiteness you know and and any form of power um it's just the people who have the power are keeping it exactly like that but there is now just this performative yeah um, aspect to it yeah and I think it was the performance of it that I really wanted and also like liberal performance of it and how how liberals can separate themselves from these quite ineffectively in the sense of like oh the racists are over there and they're doing that but we're not racist and it's like "Ah." and I wanted to just like turn the camera onto them and be like this is how you perform and this is actually how the structures actually maintain themselves yeah it's only the performance of change not actual change so when uh, the narrator I mean she she finds herself you know in these in these spaces in in this culture that rejects her or closes the door or the algorithm you know it doesn't prioritize her in you know whether a digital or offline presence and I feel like that is really a part of the 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 beating heart of I'm a fan as well it's just her her rage her rage she's she's seeing everything that's going on around her and she's just like rage against the machine like and it's it's very strong as a as a as a reader like it's uh yeah it's sorry I'm just finding ways to tell you how brilliant like (laughs) brilliantly you wrote this book (laughs) I wanted to frighten the reader I wanted I never wanted I wanted what was done to her she needed to do to other people um you (laughs) never felt sorry for her she was not something to be pitied and she had to she wasn't playing the victim role for sure and she had to be um like she had to just do bad stuff and you know I just because I was thinking like it was a political decision to make that because I'd never seen a character like that Mm -hmm. um I mean I'm saying never seen I haven't read all the books in the world but and you know it it was just I just wanted to write something that wasn't straightforward it wasn't easy to be like oh I'm on her side and he's bad and she's bad and she's good like I'm on the good side I wanted it to feel like oh my god what the fuck are we doing now like where are we going because that I read Kathy Acker blood and guts and I was thinking wow that must be such a cool feeling to make people feel like that you know afraid of a book yeah and I think she kind of has fun sometimes doing this twisted stuff yeah 
and also I just I wanted to write something and I mean it, it, I didn't want to it sort of came out as it didn't even come out that what the the rage was layered and the rage yeah. and the rage came from um really pressing on moments of strangeness and like in the park where she's with him in the park and yeah. seeing like the saliva and the hand and yeah. then what you know what, using the blanket almost like a knife like those things were I was thinking how can things be other things and how can you like suggest violence without actually anyone doing anything and I was thinking mm. is that suggestion of violence was the more yeah. terrifying thing than her actually hitting him you know like and then totally. and then I was thinking that but she's you've got to see that she's actually capable of doing this in other places with other people so that yeah. you fear she could do this with yeah you know other yeah, people yeah. other than the people she's doing it to and so yeah it was fun to think about that stuff and it was more just like as if somebody was leaning on you and you're just having to like lean back just to stand <laughs> straight and I was thinking if I can get across that feeling of just this pressing violence yeah um, I, it would be a success so it was more atmospheric than it was actually anything happening why do some people get things for free why do why is this person got their sofa for free and I have to pay for it because they've got a blue tick like what the fuck and yeah. then I was thinking what does that mean you know and especially if you're born into privilege you have a very instagrammable life yeah which then gives you a blue tick which then means you get sent stuff for free which then you you know the inequality of their life to our life is yeah, separated it, even more yeah. it's widened even more yeah and then there's this whole narrative of like this oh this person very intervenes very lightly on the world and you're just like you know oh look at their home they just curate things and collect yeah. things and I'm just like oh fuck you like fuck Wait, off like why do I feel bad about myself now you know like oh yeah I wish I could tread fucking lightly I can't I've got a job to go to I can't just like sit around fanning around in my house that somebody bought for don't know where that money came from and I was yeah. just like I hated it I was like this place isn't this liberal fucking place I was like this place is a place of oppression I love the internet that's not to say I, I love it and I love Instagram because it's given me so much but there's this there's this way that class or wealth you know extreme wealth and privilege is disguised because it's like you put a picture up of it on Instagram meaning I can look on this free app on this free application on my phone, which means I can see your extraordinarily nice house. It yeah. looks like you're being generous by opening up your house, but I will never be invited to your house. So this is sort of false. Yeah. You're not really, this is not a democratic act, you opening up your life to me because I'm not actually open to your life. Your life isn't open mm-hmm. to me. But then I was thinking that's so funny. Like also that sense of, when you know when people break up like who have a very public relationship I'm always like can I need the reason why you broke up I've been party to this whole thing yeah I need the reason you can't be like now I respect my privacy that's not fair (laughs) I've bought into this whole thing yeah totally like I was invested yeah but what a weird emotion to have too I don't know these people they Mm -hmm. don't owe me anything I don't need a reason Mm. and I was like that's kind of strange why do I feel like and then there's like oh there's this idea of possession I feel like I own them yeah and that's what they're fighting against respect my privacy and I was like ah so what if you felt like you own somebody because you felt like you know their life and then I was yeah and then I was just like background thinking and then I was thinking about like 
colonialism and capitalism and blood and erasure mm. and then trying to connect all of those things together which comes across um mostly if i can say that um through this whole again it's part of the identity of the woman uh the woman i am obsessed with uh it's about land and it's yeah. about like that bloodshed that you said um the way that she frames it a white person sort of taking on Native American or indigenous ideas but because they're white they get ahead more ahead more respected more listened to yeah and then um and then the kind of audacity of a white European colonial you know the descendant of a white European colonial Mm -hmm. settler telling the rest of us how to look after the land and how to respect the land and it's like sorry babe but uh I'm sure that the systems you brought across with you and developed like your ancestors have led to you know 40 degree heat on a Tuesday um (laughs) in London which has never happened before like it's like it's that sort of audacity of like not only ripping people from the land but then telling those people then how to be you know feeling making those people feel bad about being ripped from the land from being yeah and disengaged from it yeah and reframing themselves as well as the saviors exactly making money at becoming even more profitable for them you know to be like uh yes this is how you do it I am now a thought leader on this I'm winning awards on this and that's something that she really piggybacks off of as well so you see that kind of generational how it just on and on and on and on it's never ending you know like she piggybacks off of her dad's success yeah um and again, it's that pervasiveness. It's that it's all, it's everywhere. It's all consuming like whiteness. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it's brought into such a small, you know, inside of the body sense of like being pitted against this person sexually. Yeah. Because obviously this is a white woman and our narrator is a, a 30 year old woman of color as well. So there's, there's, I feel like that is playing as well in the, you know, it's not said explicitly apart from like maybe one time when he makes a really gross statement about how he likes being seen with her, but it's more about what it says about him. About him. Like, which is, like, you know, yeah, but which is a thing, you know, and that, that kind of sense of your skin being sort of a prize or, say, yeah. you know, say saying yeah. something more about your liberalness, like this person, yeah. this person, black or brown person uh is sanctioning me with their skin Kylie Reed says that in uh such a fun age where she's mm-hmm. having that dinner party and the host is a white woman and she's like she was so pleased that there's three people that are black in her, at her party she feels like you know that's kind of like a badge of honor that it's not all white people around her table and it's that kind of thing I mean it's that but different yeah. um Again, like, look how good this makes me, me look, you know, and I feel better for doing this. But uh, and, <laughs> and so kind of what you've said there makes me think of the the very ending. I'm not going to say what happens. Yeah. I'm just going to say that it feels uh, it feels quite brutal, but in a mm. powerful sense. Like, oh, it good. does feel for me anyway, it felt like a kind of. I don't know what this says about me. Maybe I'm really messed up. No, go on. But it felt like a really, like her taking 
control I, I don't know like do you know what I you know you just said that that's really interesting that you're like maybe this makes me a what did you say it makes you a fucked up person no but I'm no no but I but I wonder <laughs> if actually your openness to it means you're actually more resolved you're just more resolved because you can accept the darkness of this and it doesn't threaten you oh no 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 there was something um not that I'm like some genie, but I just, it's just oh, like, but it's just interesting to see how, because, you know, even it's really been interesting, like, like the, the, I've tried, to, I'm staying away from these now because they just kind of upset me sometimes when I read about, when I read them, but like some review, like some kind of like blogger reviews that you see and like the, mm -hmm. it not, not upsets me, but it's just like, oh, that's not, that wasn't my intention. I had so much deeper intentions or deeper mm -hmm. references than like mm -hmm. comparing these these short sections to like blogs because I'm like that's not how I write a blog I wouldn't write a blog like this like so much work has got into you know every like every it's been boiled down to this absolutely essential but yeah. then I'm thinking no but that's reflective of their references it's no reflection on me and it's kind of understanding that that separation and I think when when you see someone do this stuff and you're like oh I hate her I would never do that there's some sort of rejection of your own shadow or whatever you know it, yeah. it's it, there's some rejection of your own shadow of like I can't really assimilate this stuff to me because yeah. I haven't squared with my own violence or yeah. your own I, anger I don't want to be that but do I see shades of myself in that? and I don't want to yeah. see shades of myself so I'm just going to reject it so yeah. it's, it's interesting you're you and there's there's another person that said they really like her. I mean I really like her good I'm glad you do I really like her I've missed it so much I missed oh. being with her after I wrote it and to go back to the ending yeah I wanted a Sopranos ending because <laughs> <laughs> I watched the Sopranos and I was like wow I, I mean obviously every fucking boy tells you to watch the Sopranos so that's why I didn't watch it and, and the then wire. In, yeah and the wire which I did both of those I've abandoned the wire though because it got a bit hard but I the, yeah. the Sopranos seeped into my psych like my subconscious mm -hmm. I would dream about them I would worry about them I was screaming at the telly <laughs> um I was totally I took my sense of what was right and wrong got totally flipped oh I was like oh my god yeah it was so good and then the cut to black I was like <gasps> and I was like oh my god I need to do a cut to black <laughs> this is your like literary equivalent yeah of a cut to black and I was like how do you do a cut to black on the page I was like it's a long dash that's that's the only like how do you do a cut to black I don't know you just cut it off mid-thought yes and it was so I mean I I love the ending like I think it's very true to it's the dash I see yeah um, it's very true to I feel where she's been going like, yeah and I think where we've been following her you know and it, I think that sense of control is interesting too, because I was like, oh, you take this act of care and you twist it, which yeah. is very, very, you know, this thing that should be celebratory and unifying, you take it to break everything, even, you know, it's a even it's innocent, very... it's very destructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you do it for spite, spite. Yes. and you do it to dest knowingly destroy everything. Yeah. And almost call it to have this to have like a part of him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna have a yeah, and it's like steal a part of you. And also to have like uh the, the I mean, really actually I'm just thinking about this now, but it's actually just to call it all into the light, you know, because I once once that happens, 
you can't avoid she can't be a secret anymore so she kind of takes control over her own visibility in that even if it's really really dark that was it it was dark but there was some there was a very strong feeling of like she's taking the reins and if this is the way that she decides to do it like I didn't want there to be any redemption I didn't want her to be like oh I've realized the error of her ways and then she became a good person like we knew straight away I was like this has to be dark because like the the pamphlet has this like redemptive arc you know this sort of that that, and I didn't want that for this I wanted there to be no arc at all it's just a circle or spiral so I wondered if you wanted to read a passage for us oh my god I would love that hang on let me get my copy okay well I'll read read the beginning so you get sort of flavor of it otherwise it won't make sense if I just jump in that's you're introduced to everybody Uh, so this is from I'm a fan this is the beginning um it's called do I I stalk a woman on the internet who is sleeping with the same man as I am. Sometimes when I'm too quick to look at her stories, I block her temporarily so she doesn't know I absentmindedly refresh her page 15 times a minute while Netflix plays in the background on my laptop, my stomach flipping sick with delight when her profile picture is ring red. She has tens of thousands of followers, is verified and is the daughter of someone famous in America. An endless stream of white people fawn in the comments under her posts. She has opinions about household objects which I've never given a thought to before. Firm tastes in the types of beeswax candles to burn. Lays exquisite cloth on her table in anticipation of dinner. Knows where to buy limited edition pottery from well-regarded potters. She will happily spend $300 on a vase where she displays really, really organic fennel flowers by which she says there is organic and then organic. Buys a $500 ring for herself during a time of financial strife for the rest of the world and shows it off in a selfie. She uses a filter on Instagram which burns up her flaws. It thins down her cheeks and radioactively erases the two thick lines shaped like spooning bees which are carved in her forehead and erupt from her face more prominently when she raises her eyebrows. A sick sense of satisfaction rips through me when I see them. She orders takeout from the right restaurants seems to know everyone in the higher echelons of society, is accepted into the kinds of circles which seem out of reach to me. Sometimes I wonder, if I ever met her, what would I say to her? Would I tell her of our connection? Would I tell her I know where, her, where she lives? Would I tell her how I guessed that she broke up with her boyfriend? Will I tell her I know why the st- tone of her stories changed because the man we are both sleeping with The man I want to be with shamed her for exploiting her privacy the last time they saw one another. Would I tell her that I know who her ex-husband is? I've seen his new family and he seems happy now, happier than the photos I've seen of the two of them. Would I tell her I know who all her friends are and I watch their stories too? Would I tell her I screenshot the photos she takes of herself and study her face so intently sometimes I fear I've picked up some facial expressions or tonal inflections from her because I listen to her speaking with her father on YouTube over and over before I go to sleep? Would I move in closer to smell her and feel what he felt when he felt her? Would I taste the inside of your mouth to find out what was so compelling? Would I press into you? I want to know exactly how your body moves when you are turned on to know for myself why he cancelled fucking me to fuck you. Tell me what I want. I refresh, refresh, refresh. The woman I'm obsessed with usually posts around this time. 
I'm half watching Gilmore Girls on my laptop. I refresh again, and suddenly on the ninth refresh, the squares shuffle to the right, go white, quickly quickly blink back into colour, and there's a new post, a selection of the products she sells from a web shop she owns called Terroir. I may or may not make a profit. It may or may not make a profit, but regardless of this minor inconvenience, it seems like being the founder of an independent web shop is the new rich kid thing to do. All her friends have variations of this curated online presence where they push a skincare line or expensive household furniture or cookware, objects which have been taken out of their cultural context to be placed artfully in your home to make you appear more interesting. I've learned about mid-century furniture this way. I think of my parents' generic inbuilt wardrobes and fake wood that I'm sure is veneered plastic, which they proudly picked out of a company magazine from a wholesaler warehouse in Sudbury. I know the woman I'm obsessed with has many of these tastemaker friends, but the acquisition of beauty seems to fuel them as much as food. One of these friends posts notable artist interiors like she does. I know this as I stalk him too in case he posts photos of her, because I like to know what she wears every day, which makes me feel shit, but then makes me feel like I've achieved something when I know, but really I lose a tiny part of myself every time I screenshot a photo of her, or her new studio flat in Marfa, now she's single, or her previous flat she shared with her ex-boyfriend, or her father's house where I try to map the geography of the rooms. I save these screenshots to the album in my phone, which when I scroll through looks deceptively like I have a very good friend whose life I celebrate, as if I want to treasure her memories alongside my own. I don't have any opinions about furniture. If I was ever to have a home, I'm not sure what I would fill it with. I don't own anything which would tell other people how much of a tastemaker I am, how much of a grown-up. I fit into spaces which already exist and contort myself to fit a shape which has been allocated for me. I don't own anything. The thought of antique shopping for each individual item is exhausting and exhilarating and expensive. I click through to the shops the woman I'm obsessed with tags in her posts, who she thanks, the painters she recommends on her stories, helpfully including a link to buy one for yourself. I look up the price of a painting she angles into the sun on top of her brightly coloured mantelpiece with the hashtags of the architect who built it and the painter who painted the painting. I Google the artist's name and price and he's dead and his work costs between fifteen dollars and $20,000 and my jaw swings open. And I want to own it too, but how? And where do you go to buy paintings? Or perhaps what I want is the disposable cash to be able to buy a painting. But actually what I want is something much harder to attain, which is to know what paintings are worth buying in the first place, combined with the innate belief I deserve to be in surroundings which need paintings on the wall before I am able to feel at home. I read the caption on the new post and it says, meet us at our pop-up in a friend's house in Notting Hill, DM for details. The post is a graphic amalgamation of the items Terroir sells, the objects hung disembodied on a white background. The uniqueness of her business is that she is a daughter of someone who is famous for being aesthetically rigorous. And if you part with a minimum of $500, you might be able to buy into this upbringing too. I think this is my chance. Thank you so much. Thank for you. That. It was just incredible. Before I let you go, just wanted to see like are you gonna have a hot girl summer like literally because it's gonna be 40 degrees but also like am I gonna die are you gonna be seeing the other girls from four brown girls are you gonna be going on holiday what are you gonna be doing how are you gonna Um, be enjoying the success the success um well we're seeing each other in a couple of weeks I think I'm seeing a few of them today actually it's Rush's son's birthday um I'm not going to have a holiday, but I have been asked to do a couple of things abroad for the book. So maybe I'll turn those into holidays. Yes. But I'll mostly be working, but also just trying to, which is actually kind of nice because it's a nice distraction. Otherwise, I think I'd just be focusing on this too much. But I'm really pleased with how it's going. And I just hope I can do it one more time if 
the, the creative gods allow me. And then in October, there's something with South Bank Centre. Oh, nice. So that's nice. So, oh. yeah, just I'm happy. I'm also really, it's really great that Rough Trade books are so good. They're such a solid team. So it just feels like hanging out with your mates. It's very cool. They're doing really amazing things. And, yeah, they sound like it's a small, you know, it's a small operation um, that sounds really supportive and really invested. So I'm happy that I'm happy that you got that. Um, thank you so much. I can tell how much you love it. So thanks for that. It's, it's really nice. Great fan girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just really nice, you know, because I love it. So it's nice to. Yeah, know, no, I think uh, the whole thing just feels uh, feels quite wholesome, which is kind of a, an odd word to use for like the kind of, I don't know if it's radical or just like they say, you know, like we, we publish small books with big ideas. Um, yeah, I'm very happy that I found I found this and I found your writing. And just thank you so much for taking the time uh, to have a chat with us. And um, just take care, like enjoy the events, like good luck with work and, you know, managing it all and just like take care of yourself. Thank you. Thanks, Lou. This is a real pleasure. I'm glad we got to do this. Bye. Bye.